Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, this is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Today's Blitz Rewind starts now. Overall, you wind up going 5-4 and four through this nine-game stretch against the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Red Sox. You play 500 ball or slightly better than 500 ball against the best teams in baseball. That's kind of what you expect from a team that is also among the best teams in baseball. You know, you look back and say, oh, well, you know, you could have won all three games against the Padres. Well, you didn't, but you still won five out of the nine games in that stretch. David Cully even said about Tyrod Taylor, his leadership in the league and his experience is invaluable. He's such a great character guy. Now, he's not good enough to be a winning quarterback in the league, and he's certainly not good enough to overcome all the roster deficiencies on this team. But if you know you're going to be a bad team, you want to have good locker room guys to hold it together so it doesn't just completely turn into an off-the-rails train wreck later on in the season. Here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. Patch Crane in for Fred and A.J. on the Blitz. 713-780-3776. 713-780-ESPN on the HRMP listener line. On the text line, on Twitter, at P. Creighton 1, Aaron Raybould on the other side of the glass, Damascus Controls, at Aaron is Blitz, at ESPN 97.5, on the Twitch stream, twitch.tv, slash ESPN 97.5. Don't forget to like the Blitz on Facebook. Go to the Blitz 975 Facebook page, click like. Get us on the stream, ESPN 97.5 radio app, ESPN975.com. Find the podcast, Podcast Arena, iTunes, where podcasts are, and, of course, uh, the Sports Map Houston YouTube page. Uh, we'll do another giveaway for the Four Roses bourbon in the next segment. So 6.15, we'll do another giveaway. 6.30, Steve Milhazen from DAZN will join us, talk some MMA and some boxing. But right now, we're going to get into... Uh, what a lot of people in this town are probably feeling very slighted by. And and I know the guy on the other side of the glass might be feeling a little slighted by this too. But Aaron, I want to ask you in this situation, I want you to take all feeling out of the equation. Let's talk about any conference other than the Big 12 right now. How many years... Does a team have to go without winning a conference title before they are considered to be not really a relevant program? I mean, it depends. Because if we're looking at any other conference besides the Big 12, are we looking at just the other Power Fives? Are you throwing in the American? Are you looking at even... Do we want to call it the Power Five and a half? Like, are we counting the American? For example... Uh, you know, while Tom Herman was here in Houston, Houston was at least a contender uh, for for a, 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 a conference championship. Since then, well, they haven't really won a whole mo- a lot. Do you consider uh, UH on the national landscape to be relatively irrelevant? Probably not, because I'm giving them a pass for the pandemic year, and then Dana coming in the year before and realizing he needed to completely destroy everything to rebuild it back up in his in his vision. I'm not necessarily against that, but I think that's exactly why they're on the national stage. By national stage, we're talking, you know, the top 25, 30 teams. 
I think they're irrelevant. They haven't been a good team now in, what, five years, six years? It's, it's been a while since the Cougars have been a relevant team that was at least able to be competitive with the bottom of the top 25. Like, can you be competitive with the 20 to 25 ranked team? Usually, whoever is going to win the American Conference is somewhere in that like 18 to 22 range normally if they're having a, an undefeated elite season, maybe they're around 10. But if, if you're a good team, you're probably in that 18 to 25 range. I don't, I don't see them there right now. Although, hopefully, Dana's going to get them on the right track. He, had a, he did, you're right, he did have to undo the mess of Major Applewhite. And that was a mess. That was a bad hire. It was a bad decision. That was a, a hire made because Tillman was in his feels about being left at the altar by Tom Herman. After two seasons, he up and left. And he was ticked off. And he's like, we're a destination job. I'm sorry, but you're not. And any school that's not in a Power 5 conference is not a destination job. Sorry. And he wanted a coach who's going to stay here and they're not going to leave. And they chose poorly. Let's say um, if, if Penn State was mediocre, you know, 500 team-ish, maybe they win seven, eight games, but seven, eight wins in the Big Ten is not a good season. If they go a decade without winning a single Big Ten conference, are they nationally irrelevant? Or are they still, uh, because they're Penn State, because of their long history, because they're in the Big Ten, where does the line of demarcation for you? Okay, out of those 10 years, how many times did they get to the Big Ten title game? Let's say... Maybe once. Once? Maybe. So, being a, they still have the national brand, but no, they're not relevant as far as the competitive stance goes. So, Paul Feinbaum basically went the nuclear route on Get Up on ESPN today when it came to the Texas Longhorns. Here's Paul Feinbaum, and yes, I understand... Paul Feinbaum is Mr. SEC. We are all understanding that. Here is Paul Feinbaum basically dropping the hammer on the Texas Longhorns. It has been over a decade since Longhorns were national title contenders in college football. Since then, Texas has hired three coaches going back to 2014. Steve Sarkeesian is now the next man up to try to fix the Longhorns. So, Paul, let's talk about the expectations. We all understand they are Texas-sized. Are they realistic? They are not. Texas is no big deal other than to Texas fans. This is not a relevant program anymore, Greeny. And go back to 2013 when Texas people fired Matt Brown. He didn't resign. He was shown the door. The same Matt Brown who now has North Carolina in the top 10. Texas can't even win its own state anymore. It lost two of its best players to Alabama. It's 
pathetically behind Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. It's way, way behind their biggest rival up in uh, Norman, Oklahoma. Texas is fighting for third at best in its own league, and and I I don't really see a clear path. I think Sark is a very good coach, but let's be honest, Hembo could have coached that offense last year at Alabama. I know I'm going to hurt feelings, but I don't think he's wrong. Texas hasn't won a Big 12 title since 2009. That was the year they went to the BCS title game against Alabama and Colt McCoy, well, he didn't last real long, and they lost by 16. Since then, well, they haven't won the conference. Now, it's hard to say, well, how many Big 12 title games did they go to? Because if you remember, the Big 12 stopped playing title games. And they only brought the title game back, really, kind of for for 2017 after that disaster of, you know, having Baylor and TCU being named as co-champions when, in reality, Baylor should have been the champion. They won heads up. And that froze them out of the CFP. That allowed Ohio State to backdoor, and then Ohio State won it all. And that got the conversation going about, well, does there need to be a title game? Because remember, their old thing was, well, everybody plays each other, so there's always a head-to-head tiebreaker, so we don't need a conference title game. Right up until they broke their own rules of the head-to-head tiebreaker in 2014 and let TCU be co-champs. So there have only been a conference title game the last four years. And UT did go to that conference title game in 2018. And they lost to Oklahoma by double digits. And Kyler Murray, 39-27 in Jerry World. Because the title game is always at Jerry World. But since then, well, who's won? Oklahoma destroyed TCU, beat up Texas, snuck by Baylor, beat Iowa State. Oklahoma wins every year. And when he said, hey, they're losing to Oklahoma and Texas A&M, Oklahoma has won the Big 12 Six straight years. And I understand that, you know, they had Baker Mayfield and they had Kyler Murray and they had Jalen Hurts, but they've won every year since 2015. And then you had that Baylor TCU mess. The year before it was Baylor. The year before it was K-State and Oklahoma. Then it was Oklahoma State. Then it was Oklahoma. We've gone a full decade without Texas winning. Now, do I think he's being a little heavy-handed with the, well, they only matter to people in Texas. That's still bigger than that. And it's not like I don't think UT will be ranked at some point next year, because they probably will be ranked at some point. 
Are they nationally irrelevant? No, they're not nationally irrelevant. Are they championship irrelevant? That, that, that they are. That they are. They're irrelevant, not just for the CFP. They're irrelevant for the Big 12. They don't win championships. But they're still Texas, and they're still a draw, and it still matters. And when teams play Texas, it's considered a big game. They're not irrelevant. They're just championship irrelevant. Now it's up to Sark to figure out how to fix that. And it's not going to be easy. All right, coming up next, uh, is this team out on Julio Jones? The Blitz. You're listening to The Blitz. On ESPN 97.5. So am I still waiting for this world to stop hating? Can't find a good reason. Can't find hope to believe in. You are listening to The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. Hey, let's do some more free stuff. Because Father's Day is coming and Dad gets roses. Four roses, bourbon whiskey. And to help celebrate Father's Day, ESP 97.5 and the Blitz, they're having a Father's Day tasting event hosted by Fred and AJ featuring Four Roses Bourbon Whiskey right here at ESPN 97.5 in the lobby Wednesday, June 16th from 7 to 9 p.m. Right now is your chance. You win a spot for you and a friend. Call number five, 713-780-3776. Caller number five, 713-780-3776. Gets a pair of tickets to the Four Roses bourbon tasting event hosted by Fred and AJ right here at ESPN 97.5. So you get to drink some whiskey, hang out with friend AJ, listen to late hits. Uh, all is well in the world when you get to that stuff. And, uh, you know, what's wrong with drinking some excellent bourbon whiskey? Everybody likes the excellent bourbon whiskey. With June 1st coming, there was an expectation that Julio Jones would be traded. Well, Falcons have been talking deal with many teams about Julio Jones for a while. They weren't going to pull the trigger until after June 1st so they could spread the cap hit out over a couple of years. But here we are, June 3rd, and Julio's still a Falcon. And of all the teams that have been connected to Julio, I mean, remember, uh, there was a report that the Falcons had a first-round pick offered to them. I think if they had a first-round pick truly offered to them, that deal would have been done already. If they had a one, I think that deal would have been done. You have to wonder, you know, what was entailed in that? Was it a one for Julio Jones and a two? Like, Did they have to give draft capital back in order to get that one? Because if it was just straight up, we'll give you a first for Julio Jones, 
Julio's on the team right now. The Falcons are trying to hold out for a one. They probably will wind up settling for a two. But Kimberly Martin covers the NFL, has said the Baltimore Ravens are, quote, done negotiating for Julio Jones. They are out. They are taking their ball and going home. Now, if ever there was a team that needs a wideout, how about giving Lamar Jackson a legit star receiver? They're already one of the best running teams in the league because, you know, not only do they have a couple of good backs, but Lamar Jackson runs for 1,000 yards. And wouldn't it be great if he had, you know, a really good target? Somebody that can draw double teams, who could be unstoppable, a guy that's going to win battles for contested balls. Wouldn't it be great to give Lamar Jackson like a real wide receiver? Who's the last guy the Baltimore Ravens had that you could say was a legit top receiver who caught balls when he was covered, who won every contested ball? Is it Anquan Bolden? Anquan Bolden might be the last time they had a receiver who was... Still at the top of his game, won every contested ball, could be unstoppable, made plays on the red zone. You knew when you threw him the ball, he was going to get it. That's a long time ago for Baltimore. And Julio Jones is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, and I don't know. Oh, well, they signed Sammy Watkins. So, what? Sammy Watkins uh, gets hurt, what, week three? When does Sammy get hurt? Week four? Dude's always hurt. Let's be real. He's not that good. All the hype about him coming out of school, he was supposed to be better than DeAndre Hopkins. How's that worked out? You know, Miles Boykin and James Prochet and Devin Duvernay. Hollywood Brown's got speed. You know who else can't stay on the field? This, to me, would have been the the kind of move to put the Ravens, quote, over the top. You go get Julio Jones. But they're out. Now, whether that out is we're saying this because we're trying to negotiate in public or whether they've just gotten fed up and they're done. It's a big deal. If I'm a Ravens fan, I'm disappointed. I want to be a team that's like right on the edge. Okay, there's a guy available right now that could really put us over the top. And then your team's like, nah. Sometimes you got to go for it. I'm actually kind of disappointed the Ravens aren't going for it. You know, the NFL made a bunch of different rules, you know, for COVID, uh, you know, how they play the different protocols they had to play through a a pandemic season. And it looks like some of these new protocols 
might be staying in the league. According to Tom Pelissero of NFL Network, uh, he says that there some of the rules are going to stay, such as uh, keeping the the roster rules and changes. You know, when not everybody had access to the vaccines, that teams would be allowed to have an unlimited number of players come back from IR. And that players who go on IR will only have to miss three weeks instead of eight. This is the common sense stuff that should have been done a long time ago. Like, there's no reason that, oh, a guy gets hurt, he's going to miss a month. Up, oh, got to put him out for the year. So if a guy goes on IR, he only has to miss three weeks. If you're putting a guy on IR, he's probably going to miss three weeks. Not having to lose a guy for eight weeks and then not having to only have, okay, well, we're going to designate this player to return. Remember that you had to designate the guy? Player went on IR and you had to choose. Okay, and you had to choose like at that time. All right, this is the guy we're designating to return and you hope to hell he doesn't have a setback. Uh, practice squads expanded to 16 players apparently will stay at 16 players. So the practice squads are bigger now too. They are, the league and the NFLPA apparently are still negotiating on what their uh, other protocols are going to be that run through the Super Bowl in February uh, those rules might not be finalized, you know, till we get into like August. And like from a fan perspective, do you care that uh, practice squads are bigger? Probably not. But do you care that IR stays are only three weeks, and that if your star gets hurt, your star player who gets hurt, he doesn't have to miss half the season? I like that one. I bet GMs like that one too. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to our buddy Steve Milhazen from DAZN at UFC this weekend. you got a big uh, UFC event coming up next week. Plus, there's a couple of, let's call them interesting fights, that are coming up soon as well. We'll talk to Steve next. I've seen those eyes before. I can tell you want to play. ESPN 97.5. is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we're our friends down at the West Bar and Grill. You know, the West is a Beaumont institution. The West always a great place to catch all the games because they always got the games on all the time. They got a menu with steaks and shrimp, wings and burgers, catfish and more. Wednesday and Saturday are crawfish night. Don't want to miss those. Of course, they've got all your favorite beers, wines, and spirits. So enjoy your drinks and your meal while you're taking in the game or while you're playing your favorite pub games because if you like pub games, well, they got them all at the West. From pool to darts, ping pong to shuffleboard. If you like me, you like the arcade games. 
Well, they're all down there at the West. Happy hour in effect up till 6 o'clock. When you get there, ask my buddy Mike Hamilton. Mike's the owner. Mike's going to make sure they take great care of you. The West Bar and Grill, 6445 Calder Avenue in Beaumont, just a half mile north of I-10. Check out their Facebook page for events at the West Bar and Grill. Get your friends together. Head to the West, a Beaumont institution. And you know what? If you haven't signed up, for our ESPN 97.5 listener email yet. Well, what are you waiting for? You get all the latest info on what's happening uh, with us here at ESPN 97.5, including upcoming events like tomorrow's remote broadcast from Five Under Golf at Beaumont, giveaways like the Four Roses Bourbon giveaway, what we've done twice uh, during this show, and a chance to be highlighted as our listener of the week. Go to ESPN97.5.com and click subscribe. All right, Steve Milhazen is running a few minutes late. He will get with us shortly because uh, we're going to talk about some stuff going on in UFC, uh, UFC fight night on Saturday. And then, of course, after that, you have uh, what UFC 263 next Saturday. And we've got a couple of really interesting I guess we'd call them celebrity boxing matches. I I don't know how else you quantify it, but celebrity boxing match. Pretty much uh, the best thing I do when you're talking about the Paul brothers, and even though one of them is going to fight Floyd Mayweather, and did you see the rules on what the, with, with Floyd there, there's no headgear. But there's no judges. Knockouts are okay, but there's no judges and there's no winner. There's no announced winner. It's the dumbest thing. The only reason to watch this thing, in my opinion, is to watch Logan Paul get his ass kicked by Floyd Mayweather. Because the opportunity, the percentages of Logan Paul hitting Floyd with a huge haymaker and knocking Floyd out. I think you got a better chance of being struck by lightning on a sunny day. But the idea of Floyd's going to beat up some YouTuber. You know, we thought about how, you know, when Floyd fought Connor, the idea of, you know, did Floyd basically drag Connor into the deep water because he wanted to sell it as a, as a real event, didn't want to just put him out in a round or two. So early in the fight, Connor landed some huge shots to Floyd, but Connor's power with the boxing gloves, not near the same as the power with the UFC gloves. And probably the most underrated aspect of Floyd Mayweather's career is Floyd's got a chin. Floyd can take your best shot. Floyd has taken a lot of guys' best shots and just laughed at them. He took absolute hammers from Conor McGregor and was just like, that all you got? And then he peppered him for, what, five rounds? He just started slapping him. It literally was like just slapping him upside the head until Conor was too gassed to even lift his arms and the ref called it off. Then you saw him have that fight with the with the Japanese kickboxer. What did that last? Two minutes? Did it even last two minutes? 
That guy was embarrassed about how fast Floyd put him on his ass. So to me, it's, this is just a matter of, it's, it's supposed to be up to eight rounds. Is Floyd going to, you know, dance with, with Logan Paul long enough to get eight rounds or to get, you know, a handful of rounds to make people feel like they got their money's worth? Uh, or does the whole gotcha hat thing, does Floyd just say, I'm going to whoop this kid's ass. It's not going to take real long. I'm taking my money. Bleep you. Get out. Because, you know, half the time you see Floyd being, acting all hard and stuff, he's trying to sell tickets. Right? The same thing with Connor. Him and Connor had these, had these various promos together where Connor would talk junk on him and Floyd talk junk back. And you'd see Floyd getting super angry because, well, you know, Connor's a better talker than Floyd. And, you know, Floyd, like, start losing his mind. He's going to, you know, beat, he's going to kick his ass and all that. And, look, they sold a ton of tickets. Is how much of, of Floyd, you know, having his bodyguards hold Jake Paul while he stands in front of him like a mafia guy throwing uncontested hands I, how much of that is selling tickets? Because I wouldn't put the Paul brothers above a stunt like that to sell tickets. I wouldn't put anything above those cats to sell tickets. So, for for the Logan versus Floyd, I just want to see, is, is Floyd going to dance with him? Or is Floyd just going to beat his ass real fast? I mean, so... There are no judges, so there's no decision. Right, no decision, no points, no nothing like that. There isn't a winner. No winner, no winner announced. There won't be a, a, a loser announced, obviously, Correct. too. I mean, the public will have a winner and loser. Oh, yeah. Uh, my question is, what has the ref been already told? So, the ref, it, it is up to the ref to just enforce regular rules, and it is the ref's decision on a knockout TKO. But that's my thing, is that some, both camps have had a talk with this ref, and as much as you want to take an actual professional ref who's done sanctioned fights and real, probably title bouts at times, and made a good amount of money doing it, when you put somebody in there with free autonomy and go, all right, it's up to you to just judge it. Just do whatever you want. Let them do whatever you feel is safe. Then you have both sides who are obviously going to pay this guy who are talking to him because this isn't a real sanctioned fight. No, it's an exhibition. So you're going to have both camps that are going to sit him down. And Mayweather's camp's going to go, treat it like a real match. He wants to box. He thinks he can talk bleep. We're going to show him what real boxing is. But then you're going to have Logan Paul's guys go, well, we got a lot of money too. He gets knocked down on his ass once. You, That's one. He looks like he's taken three shots to the face too fast, just call it. And it's not going to be real. Now, if you're not going to do judges, you're not going to do a winner, you're not going to do a loser, cool, make it a fight to the death. Let him go in there gladiator style. I don't care. I mean, this whole thing was supposed to be for, you know, it's not real boxing. No, it's for money. It's for public entertainment. If you want to entertain people, fine, cool. Fight to the death. Have fun. The... To me, and, and it's because we talk about the, the ref aspect of it, right? The, the only reason to not have judges 
in, in this whole thing, but the ref could stop the fight in a TKO, is, you know, Logan Paul's getting beat up, and before he, you know, gets absolutely hammered and knocked stupid, the ref jump in and, okay, we're done. And then Logan Paul says, well, he didn't put me away. See, I was still on my feet. I didn't get knocked out. The ref shouldn't have stopped the fight. Early stoppage. I don't know why he did that. For him to save face and, and run his mouth. Uh, so I'm, I'm, that's why I'm kind of hoping we don't get to that point. Floyd's just going to put one on the chin and night-night. I want somebody either knocked out cold or if they're going to declare it a TKO. Bleeding profusely. Well, No, I want them to have CTE before they call it. Like, I want their brain bashed in so heavily that they're going to regret ever signing that stupid contract and wasting the public's time with this. And, I, and look, of the two Paul brothers, Jake is the better boxer, but Logan's fighting Floyd Mayweather, like the best of his division of all time. Are we even, like, taking bets on how many punches Logan is going to land? Because the only way Logan Paul lands a punch is if Floyd lets him land a punch to smile at him like, yeah, I just took what you've got. You can't hurt me, kid. And basically just put the fear of God in him. I remember back in the early days of, of MMA when there were basically like no rules. And you got into the heavyweight fights and like there was like no weight limit. Like guys could just be huge. I remember watching this fight, and I couldn't even tell you who it was, but one dude was probably like 6'2 and like 230 pounds. And the other dude was like 6'9 and probably like 285 pounds. And as soon as the bell rang, the smaller dude ran up and just Superman punched this guy square in the face with everything he had, and the guy didn't flinch. And just the look on his face of sheer terror of, I just hit this guy with a sledgehammer, and he didn't even blink. Like, that guy knew he was dead. Is Floyd going to let Logan hit him with, like, his best shot and then just smile at him like, now you're not going to touch me and I'm going to destroy you? And and have the psychological warfare. I don't think so because... Logan's going to know that no matter what, this ref has my back. And we've already made sure that the cat, his check clears when I fall down twice and then get called good. Man, I hate that aspect. That's what's going to happen. I want to Because see, this isn't real. I, this I is wrestling. The, I want to see the head get... I, I want to see like his head literally spin like four times before he hits the ground. I want to see him doing a tornado when he gets knocked out. You know, if I'd rather see Logan Paul get legit knocked out than have, you know, the bogus finish. I would have more respect for him if he went out on his shield than if he had the, the ref go in there and, and save him. I would actually respect him because I have no respect for him as it is. I would have at least a, a, the a, whole smidge. Word, a smidge of respect if you talked all this crap. You got in the ring and you said you were going to take on one of the best boxers to ever walk the, the planet Earth, and you took his best shot and got your ass kicked for it. At least you did that. Took your beating like a man. Exactly. But he's not going to.
One more segment to go. We'll get into the NBA playoff games for tonight. Next. to the Blitz on ESPN 97.5. You are listening to the Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. All right, one last segment to go. Uh, no late hits tonight, but there is Hall of Fame with Booker T, two-time Hall of Famer, with Brad Gilmore, recently engaged. They will be on 9 o'clock tonight, so don't forget Hall of Fame, 9 o'clock tonight here on ESPN 97.5. Two basketball games tonight. Early game is the Nuggets and the Blazers in Portland. Portland facing elimination. And this is a game where what are the Blazers? Like, where do they go if they get knocked out in the first round? I mean, Damian Lillard's having monster games, and they can't get out of round one. Where do they go from there? Is it time to break up the Blazers? Is it time to to figure out something else? Can they move C.J. McCollum and get... Uh, a, a, another wing and try to find some just shooting elsewhere. And it's going to be hard to move a column. makes a lot of money. But, you know, if we're being real, this version of the Blazers, Dame, McCollum, Nurk, Mello, if you're a first-round exit, you don't work. And realistically, I mean, this is kind of what we talk about with the with the Rockets, right? If you're going to be out in round one, you might as well not make the playoffs. You might as well just, hey, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna break it down. And you know, it, it sucks for Nurk that he, he's been hurt so much. I mean, you wonder what would happen. Could you imagine if Denver traded Jokic to the Blazers instead of Nurk? And you had Dame and Joker. They'd probably get a lot farther than Jamal Murray and Joker. But how much farther? It might be time to break up the Blazers. And that basically means anybody not named Damian Lillard is for sale. And I wouldn't be afraid to move CJ McCollum. And I wouldn't be afraid to move uh, Yusuf Nurkic especially since you can't stay healthy. I wouldn't be afraid to move either of those guys. Melo, you don't have to worry about moving because you don't make any money. You know, this, like, newly humbled Carmelo Anthony, he doesn't make a lot of money. But the Dame-McCollum tandem, it's not going anywhere. And I think if they're out here in six games... 
It's time to break that team down. Start finding another way to go about it and get Dame different help. Then the late game, the Suns and the Lakers from L.A. And everybody made a big deal about LeBron leaving five minutes to go in the game and, and LeBron's all right, just, just peaced out, left the bench, went to the locker room because they were getting their butts kicked. And Anthony Davis is banged up. And remember, when they made that deal, you know, we talked about, well, if Anthony Davis is healthy in the playoffs, well, they'll probably win a title. And if he's not, they're going to get bounced. And here we are, a year after both LeBron and Anthony Davis were healthy and won a title. Now Anthony Davis is not healthy. Maybe LeBron isn't fully healthy either because, you know, we talked to Keith Smith last night and he said, you know, you can see LeBron doesn't have that same burst that he usually has. He's not moving as fast. He's not elevating as high. He just doesn't quite look like he's up to himself. You know, in the playoffs, especially this type of game, you will usually get like just absolute peak LeBron. LeBron will will his team. But Anthony Davis, game time decision, he's got a strained groin. If this team, if the Lakers get bounced tonight, man, that is that is a huge, huge knock on that team. And LeBron takes some of the heat on that. Whether there's Anthony Davis or not, he takes some of the heat on that. LeBron's LeBron's legacy is basically already set. He's already one of the greatest players in history. He's already got a fistful of rings. But what is Anthony Davis? You know, you rode LeBron's coattails to a title one year. Because if they don't get it together and somehow make their way back to the finals, I don't think they get there again. I don't think if the Lakers wind up getting bounced here, especially in the first round by Phoenix, you know, one of the teams that LeBron mentioned before the season when they were talking about the play-in game saying, yeah, you know, the play-in game, that'd be great for teams like Phoenix uh, and Portland. And then, you know, when the Lakers had a play in it, this is the dumbest idea ever. Somebody should get fired. Amazing how that changes when all of a sudden, Phoenix and Portland are better than you. But if they get bounced here in the first round, there'll probably be some changes to the supporting cast. But I also don't think the Lakers will get to another finals with LeBron and Anthony Davis as the primary guys. How long is LeBron going to be able to be LeBron? before his body starts to break down. Because LeBron was never hurt till he got to the Lakers. Now, he's 36, but he's been in the league since he's 18. And he plays a gazillion minutes. And when you think about how many years he's been to the finals, I mean, every year... LeBron went to the finals. So he's played just more minutes than anybody. 
how long can his body hold up? Because two years ago, he broke down. The Lakers didn't make the finals. Last year, he mostly stayed healthy, and they won. This year, he's been banged up, and Anthony Davis has been banged up. And here they are facing elimination against the Phoenix Suns, who are probably playing without Chris Paul, who hurt his shoulder for the second time in this series. You can't lose at home. Round one, elimination game, and Chris Paul's not even playing. You can't lose. But you know what? I won't be upset if they do. Not one bit. It's going to wrap it up for us today. want to thank our callers, texters, twitchers, and tweeters. And Rebels on the other side of the glass. I'm back tomorrow night in my regular spot, 7 o'clock. Jerry Bow and Josh Jordan in Moneyline, they got you here on the Blitz. We'll catch you tomorrow night. Who's this? Hey, this is Trey Wingo. You're listening to ESPN 97.5 Houston. Hello.